Ariel Hawani's MMA show is presented by Modelo, brewed for those with a fighting spirit. Hello, friends. It's your old pal, Ariel Hawani, welcoming you back to a brand new edition of DCN Hawani. And holy smokes, we got a lot to talk about today, my friends. John Jones, Jorge Masvidal, Conor McGregor, UFC 250, Amanda Nunes, Aljamain Sterling, Sugar Sean O'Malley. The list goes on and on. We got so much to talk about, and I am so excited about getting this thing rolling again with DC. But let me tell you, I'm equally excited about the return of the NBA. The NBA is coming back in July. July, by the way, my favorite month of the year because it's my birthday month, but also it's the only month where you typically don't have any school. So isn't it great that the NBA is returning in July? And there's so many questions, right? They're playing at the ESPN Wide World of Sports Complex at Disney World, but there's just so many questions like, all right, how many people will be allowed on this campus of sorts? Where will they eat? Will we get to see LeBron James and the Lakers on Splash Mountain? Will we actually get to see the best players at their best, at their peak? Are they in shape? There's so many questions. I don't have many of those answers, but I can tell you who does. Brian Windhorst, a.k.a. Windy. He's one of ESPN's top NBA insiders, and he talks about the NBA's return plan in the latest episode of the Hoop Collective podcast. Also, Zach Lowe, equally as great, he talks to Mina Kimes on Monday's episode of ESPN Daily. So I suggest you check him out. You can download and subscribe to each of those shows on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Ariel Hawani's MMA Show. Back in your life. On this Monday, June 8th, 2020. Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to a brand new edition of DC and Hawani presented by Modelo. Modelo Especial. Brewed for those with a fighting spirit. Wow, do we have a lot to talk about. But it's great to see my man DC here. And it appears, DC, like you are back home from Las Vegas. Yes, yes. And in my kid's classroom once again. Remember before, you're all excited about I was in the office. It was quiet. I'm back. School's out. The kids don't need it anymore. So now I'm over back. Over already? It's over. School's done for the year. I mean, it's done. Oh, not here. All right. Well, congratulations to your kids. Um, holy smokes. First of all, I'm glad that you uh, you survived Las Vegas. Glad mm-hmm. that you're back home. Uh, the beard is looking nice. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm a little sad, though, on this Monday afternoon. Why? I mean, look, let's let's address the elephant in the room. We're late. You know, we're late. You know, here we are. I thought we had a show. You know, I thought we were the fastest growing show. I thought you were all in. I'm I all in. Call from you. And you thought that you could squeeze things in beforehand. And that to me shows a lack of commitment. That it's, you, you basically said to me, there are things in my life that are more important than this show. True or false? Yes. There's one thing. Yes. There's a couple of things more important than this show. Like what? One is me becoming the heavyweight champion of the world again. And I mean, I think that's very fair. That hurts. And so, it's crazy because you're freaking out. It's like you tried to make me feel bad. It's sad when your friends go to you and say, you remember when your parents would say, I'm not mad at you. I'm just disappointed. Dude tried to, you tried to pull that on. I said that. It's so crazy that you would try to do that on me. I turned around. I was driving to San Jose to get my truck, return the rental car, oh. because Ariel made me feel bad. I turned around and I got here straight up 9 o'clock. No way. Jake, I don't believe you. As Jake, as Troy, if I didn't log in at 10 o'clock or 9 o'clock exactly. Or Wait right a second. On time. You, tur- you didn't go to the airport? 
I don't believe okay. you for a second. I, I feel guilty. Okay, 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 okay. Okay, wait. Maybe I did go to the airport, uh, and when I got there, I realized I left my keys at my house. So, I had oh. to so all this was for naught. For nothing, bro. I drove all the way over there and realized the keys were still in my briefcase. So I had to turn around and drive back. I could not, I don't know the door code to get back into my truck because I have an extra key in there. Oh my gosh. So you were late. You made me wait. I'm freaking out. Yes, I, I, I pulled the, uh, the disappointed card on you. Cause it always hurt. It hurt. It really hurt bad when my mom would say that. (laughs) I'm not mad. I'm not going to slap you in the face or take my sandal and slap you in the mind. (laughs) A, A threading needle to pick my, she used to do that. My mom used to. Oh, she did. It was called, it was called peak peak in my hand. What? <laughs> That's how they did it in Lebanon back in the day. She's going to be so mad at me for saying this. She's going to be so mad, but she would take my hand and say, I'm for peak peak. And I would get the needle, the threading needle on, on my, on my, like my, my fist right here. Like the wrist. What is this part called? The hand? I don't know what it's called. Stop, 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 stop. Horrible. Stop. Horrible. You're making your mind. If see. If Child Protective Services could go back in time and get your mother, they would get her bad. You can't poke your kid in the hand. With the freaking hey, needle. be honest. Back in the day, you got you got the hand sometimes. You got the belt. The hand? Are you talking yeah. about the hand? Yeah. No. I got I got whatever was available, bro. I got with a belt, switches. You know what a switch is when they tell you, go to the yard and get a switch? It's not only that you're going to get whipped. It's the fact that mentally you have to go get the, 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 the object that you're going to get beat with. A switch is a piece of a twig off of the tree that oh. they get, and it's, it swings very fast. And because it's so skinny, it just tears you apart, man. I would always get the switch. I got the switch. I, I once got an extension cord because it was the only thing that was Ooh. available. Yeah. So it's making a, a big deal out of a peak oh, peak. Well, but I never got stabbed. I mean, <laughs> your mom stabbed you. <laughs> That's like, is the switch like the Steve Blackman kendo stick from back in the day? No, it's way skinnier, bro. It's oh. like super skinny. It's like you go into the yard and you take a switch off of the tree and then they just beat you with the switch. So it's like double, right? Because you're crying the whole way over there to get the switch because you know it's about to happen. And then on the way back, you're crying because you know it's going to happen. And then the action of you getting beat with the switch happens. And so it's like you get three whippings in one. You know, So, yeah, the switch is a bad thing. But then it's like I used to do this move. Where we're like, she would grab me by the arm and whip me with the switch. But I had this flexibility in my shoulder that I don't possess anymore because I would try to fall so that I wouldn't take the whipping. And then I'd be like twisting. My mom would be like holding me by the arm. I'm like spinning around. She still hit me with the switch. Hey, she was, she was really good at whipping because she could hold me in place with one hand and then whip me with the switch with the other hand. And I guarantee you, Every whipping I got, I deserved because I did some bad stuff as a kid. My sister's childhood was, boy, it was tough for Felicia. She was like, man, I used to give her a heart. I pushed her off the bunk bed one time. Top bunk, four-year-old little girl. For no reason, I just threw her off the top. And she fell onto the couch that was right next to it, which was, I don't understand why the couch. She had a landing. No, 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 she hit the the, the side of the couch, the armrest. Oh, so no. she was really hurt. Yeah, she was mad. I got beat bad for that one. Wait, that you, one your, your sister's name is Felicia? Yeah, her name's Felicia. You didn't mention that on the broadcast on Saturday. I feel like that would have been a natural. Oh, my goodness. How did I miss that? Come yeah. on. Did you I ever say bye, Felicia, to her? 
No, but I did say hi, Felicia, on a <laughs> I said hi, Felicia, on Saturday. I said hi, Felicia. Welcome to the main event scene. But uh, she hated when the buy Felicia thing started. Like it was like the bane of her existence because everybody said it. She hates when I go buy Felicia. <laughs> yeah, like it, it, imagine being called Alexa in this day and age. I mean, your life is over, right? I mean, you live yeah. in a house. There's an Alexa. And everyone's <laughs> chatting your name. It's all very confusing. Okay, so so okay, so we got out of the way. All right, you 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 screwed up in the morning with the car. And number I two, did. I wanted to ask you. Uh, you, you didn't uh, you didn't comment on this week's uh, promo pick. Did you like it? Robert Pearson made us another custom pick. Did you enjoy that one? You kind of just you stiffed on that see, one. I didn't see it. I mean, I like what, what? So I was in Vegas for twelve days, bro. I came home. Finally got to see my children, see my wife. I hadn't seen them in t- all this time, so I disconnected. You have, I went on Instagram I seen you this post morning. Things, yeah. Just this morning for the first time. I, I was disconnected. Last wow. night right before bed, I saw Stipe put something up, so I commented. And then I went to bed, but I didn't really look at the promo pic. Did Robert do a good one this time? Where he did a it? tremendous one. He did a tremendous one. You have your phone there? I do have my phone. Go, go look at my Instagram while I set this up. Uh, Robert Pearson, who's been making us these picks each and every week. I think, I think he has done uh, maybe the best one yet. He has exceeded expectations once again. And there's so much to talk about on today's show. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? What is it's it? It's me loving Bisping and Rogan because you know I do. But here, hey, I got to be honest with you, man. Yeah. If I'm Robert Pearson, I'm kind of like wondering when am I getting paid? Because oh, Ariel, no. <laughs> at this point, you're kind of just taking advantage of the poor guy. Ariel's, yeah, like, calling, Ariel's like calling Ariel Roberts for the, the promo picks, but not paying him. He classic. does it out of the kindness is, of his heart. This is classic Ariel. Why this is this classic, classic Ariel? You. Classic you. You want some stuff, you don't want to pay for it. It's like pay the man for his work, Ariel. Pay him for his work. We've never I had that conversation. I'd be more than happy to. I mean, you're the sure. one who's about to get the multi-million dollar payday. So I don't know why it's on me, why it rests on my shoulders. But we'll talk about that. You're the guy that, with Robert. all that ESPN money. That's right. Talk to yes. Robert, man. Pay the man. Okay, fine. Robert, we'll have a chat. Now, uh, the summer of DC continues. UFC 250 this past Saturday. We have to talk about that. Everyone's going crazy. There's so much news. Conor McGregor has retired. Jorge Masvidal is battling the UFC. We've got John Jones continuing his thing. Uh, Henry Cejudo talking again. There's so much going on. Do we start with what happened on Saturday? Do we start with all the drama? Do we start with you and Stipe? I, I usually don't do this, but there's like a million different directions where we start. Where do you want to start? I think we talk about Saturday, right? We got to start. We put Saturday with, to bed. We put Saturday to bed, then we go forward because all this other news is. Um, it's things to come. Let's talk about what we saw on Saturday night, that day, Saturday night. Jesus, what is going on? Let's talk about the performance that Amanda Nunes had over Felicia Spencer. I mean, flawless. I knew it was flawless, bro. I thought she was, you know, obviously we know who Amanda is, but she wiped her out. I mean, it was, it was crazy because as I went through the week, so many people we're starting to buy into the Felicia Spencer hype. And it wasn't even, a, it wasn't really a competition. It was like a sparring session. Amanda was that far out ahead of Felicia last weekend. The best thing that Felicia did in that fight was that she absorbed an incredible amount of damage. There wasn't a single moment where we thought that Amanda was in trouble. There wasn't a single moment where it seemed like, okay, Felicia's got something going on here, landed a big punch, nothing. In fact, in the first 90 seconds, I thought she was going to get knocked out. Like I can't imagine her, her chin is incredible. Felicia's chin is incredible. The the fact that she kept on coming was amazing. But I think we were reminded once again that the gap at 145 and 135 is just massive between Amanda. I thought that that was one of her best performances. There's not 
a single thing that I look at that fight and say, yeah, she could have done this a little better. Maybe finish her, right? But it's just, Felicia's just so tough. I think there were, you can make a case for at least two 10-8 rounds in that fight, right? I, yeah, I mean, well, the fight was completely, it wasn't competitive in, in the least bit. You know, Felicia Spencer showed her durability, but we knew she had that, right? Because she took all those strikes from Cyborg, but she got washed out. It was not competitive. It once again showed that there's one person in the world that can fight Amanda Nunes, and that's the champion at 125. Right now, unless someone completely separates themselves in both of these divisions, there's never going to be a time where she goes into a fight and you wonder if uh, if she's going to lose the way that she's been fighting. Now, here's the deal. We talked about this a lot on the broadcast. Somebody bet a million dollars to make 165. Has there ever been a million-dollar bet that seemed so safe in hindsight? Mm. Right. That, that, that was, By the way, there's never been a million-dollar bet in MMA. That was the biggest bet in the history of MMA betting. But it, was the, it seemed so safe, right? Like, right. after watching that fight, I know we made the comment in the beginning of the show, wow, dude bet a million dollars. But I don't think there's ever been a more secure $165,000 return on anything um, as it was in the fight between Amanda and Felicia. Well, I know what people will probably say when they're watching this. Um, Ariel picked Felicia, and I did. No, I, and I'm trying not to rub it in your face. <laughs> like, know that I wanted to lead with that. I wanted to lead with that. That was a homer I'm, pick. But like, I'm being, I'm being very like respectful to Felicia because I don't want it to seem like I'm messing with her as I try to throw it in your face. But boy, you actually picked Felicia Spencer. And it's yeah. Like, no regrets. That's right. You I back regret. my. I you back my actually regret it. No, you should actually regret it because that was a bad pick. That was a bad pick. I didn't think Amanda Nunes looked great in December against Jermaine. I thought perhaps, but the did bad, she? But did she not? I, I mean, she, she fought great. a world level kickboxer and took Wasn't her down impressed. the entire time. And and honestly, man, watching the fight, Felicia, it doesn't look like. I mean, it just didn't look like she had anything for the champ. No. It was bad. It was really, really bad. Hindsight is twenty twenty. I I, uh, I admit that, but I have no regrets about the pick. I backed my fellow Montrealer, and obviously, you know, she's got ten fights. I mean, Nunez's current winning streak is longer than the amount of pro fights that Felicia Spencer has. Period. So it's you know, it's not normal. You got to be very some... careful. You got to be very careful here not to start making excuses. No, no, no. Like, right now, you get very close. To... Game. <laughs> getting very close to that line of making excuses. No, well, she Amanda has a longer winning streak than Felicia right. has fights. Like You're really starting to try to find the silver lining in something where there really isn't a silver lining. Okay, and, well, and- let me ask you this. People brought this up to me. They were mad. You remember when we had the pound-for-pound discussion? I think it was two weeks ago or maybe a week mm-hmm. ago. They said, you guys didn't mention Amanda Nunes, and that was wrong. Is that wrong? Do you feel like... Female pound for pound should be separate from male pound for pound. Yes, pound for pound. Or- I do. I think it should stay separate. I think yeah. Amanda is right where she needs to be in terms of uh, pound for pound in the female discussion. Overall, pound for pound. Um, I think she's one of the best pound for pound fighters, regardless of gender. I just don't know like where she would fit into that discussion. That's it. Like I think she is one of the better ones, but when you start to when you start to gauge those types of wins how do you how do you dictate and compare strength to schedule you know like because like you said Felicia has 10 fights 
When was the last time someone defending a championship on the other side had to fight and defend the belt against anyone with 10 fights? Do you understand? So it's hard to really like compare strength to schedule. And I think that's, uh, that's where the issue comes up in that. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm okay with the statement that she's one of the 10 best fighters in the world right now, regardless of gender. I've always kept them separate because also, you know, when I'm doing, someone asked me like, who are your top five best featherweights on the planet? I don't think to add female featherweights, right? You know, like, okay, which, you know, are we talking male or female? 125. It's always separate. It always comes out like separate because that's right. You know, one thing I saw on Saturday that I didn't agree with, I hadn't saw the female pound pound rankings. And I love Zhang Weili, but there's mm. no way she should be above Valentina Shevchenko. She is? She's number two. She should never Listen. be number two over Valentina. Listen, those rankings are, with all due respect, they're, yeah, they're a joke. It. But there's they're... no way. It's Amanda, Valentina, and yeah. then Zhang Weili, and everybody else. But it's uh, and... Amanda and Valentina and then everybody else because they've completely separated themselves from anybody else in, in female fighting to this point. I agree. And if we're doing true rankings and we're including everyone, it's Amanda, Valentina, and Chris Cyborg. Yes. Amanda, Valentina. If we're doing full-on female pound for pound, yeah. uh, Amanda, Valentina, Cyborg, Zhang Weili. Right. That's fair. And I think it, if that's if you're doing it overall. But right. um, if it's just UFC, then yes. But Zhang Weili should not be ahead of Valentina Shevchenko. So usually when someone says that they want a break, it's not a good thing. But I think in this particular case, it is a good thing because uh, she's expecting her first child. Her partner, Nina Ansaroff, is pregnant, expecting their first child in September. And I actually think that would be good for 145 especially and 135 to allow contenders and to kind of emerge. Yeah. You up because at 145, there's nothing going on. I think a Megan Anderson is great. I don't think it would be smart for Megan Anderson to fight Amanda Nunes right now. I think that would not be a good fight for Megan Anderson. Uh, I think she has a little more work to do. 135, if she had to come back her next fight at 135, perhaps, you know, January or December or something like that. The fight I want to see is Irene Aldana because I think she's looked really good as a lay. I think she's won five of her last six. Her last fight was a knockout against Caitlin Vieira, but still, I think, you know, there's not a lot of options there. So maybe the best what? thing is, let the, the contenders emerge. But as you said with Megan, you know, she's a tough fighter, big. She's very big, big would present some stylistic issues, I think, for Amanda. But will she? And for as good as Irina has looked, she still may need a little bit more time to truly become a competitor in a real challenge to Amanda Nunes. There, there hasn't been a time in Amanda Nunes's fights recently where you – think the other person's going to win the fight. I mean, last person was Shevchenko. And how many fights ago was that? You know, it's like you don't, you just don't know and you, and you just don't see anybody right now challenging her, especially considering she now has addressed all the issues that she may have had before in terms of the cardio. Nothing bothers Amanda anymore. She showed that she could wrestle for 25 minutes with Durandamy. And she showed that she could stand and strike for 25 minutes on Saturday, no problem. She didn't even seem fatigued fighting uh, against um, Felicia Spencer. Felicia Spencer, you right. know, she just kind of just did her thing. So, yeah, great for her to take the break, spend some time with Nina. She has built a great life down in Florida. They've done that together. Uh, they're going to have their first kid. It's a big time in Amanda Nunez's life. And after a performance like that, in two victories uh, in, a, in a in a short period of time, she she deserves a break. 
Yeah, I don't want to see the Valentina Chilji fight yet. Maybe in a year, let her do her thing at 125. Let her, you know, continue to dominate there. And then maybe in a year, you could talk about that. So that's the main event um, discussion. Mm-hmm. Now let's talk about perhaps the second biggest performance on the card. And I think it was Aljamain Sterling's win over Corey Sanhagen. I think right now, Monday afternoon, in my opinion, and we all know that's most important, Aljamain Sterling is the bantamweight <laughs> champion of the UFC. Aljamain Sterling is the king without a crown. Aljamain Sterling is the uncrowned mm. champion. He should be wearing 14 pounds, 12 pounds. I don't know how big it is. Of and gold again, this right is now. You, this is you uh, yeah. continuing down what you said. You, you, because we have to give background information as to what you're doing. Last week, you said that you thought that that should be the, the bantamweight championship fight of the world. So now you're saying Aljamain won the belt, when in reality, he did. Mm. He put on a fantastic performance. He did, and um, he smashed Corey Sanhagen. But when you look at the bantamweight division right now, are you confident that Aljamain does the same thing to Jose Aldo and uh, uh, Peoria Young? Well, it's, feel, it's not about confidence. But, it's about no, the that's the thing, though. It's like you're calling him the champion. But yeah. do you feel confident that he runs through Corey Sanhagen in the way that he does? Because this Corey Sanhagen performance can age well down the line if Corey continues down the path that he has. Or it could look like, wow, the guy was very impressive early, got to, got to the very highest level, and got beat. You just don't know. And, I mean, I, 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 I was so impressed with Aljo. I thought Aljo looked phenomenal. And – if that was a title fight last weekend, I would not be mad because I do feel like between those four guys, any of them uh, wearing the crown right now would feel uh, very legit, even though Henry walked away. Okay, which which fight interests you more right now, Piotr Jan versus Aljo or Piotr Jan versus Aldo? You know, I was very impressed with Jose Aldo in the first fight at 135. Mama. Because I fully thought he beat Marlon Marais. And okay. I still think that Marlon Marais is the most dangerous guy in the division. What? I mean, you saw what Marlon Marais did. All over Marais, the place here. You, you guy, saw, this guy beat him. You what saw what Marlon Marais did to Aljo when they fought, right? So, like, it's like I believe that he's so dangerous to anyone in this division. And I thought Aldo beat him. And Piotr Jan has been so impressive in his UFC tenure. So, I, I, I agree with the title fight, but would I be excited about an Aljamain versus Jan fight? Absolutely. Especially with the way those guys kind of jawed each other. But I believe that the fight will happen. Let's let it shake out and see how it goes. I mean, we saw a great performance last Saturday. Yes. Let's see what happens in, in, in the title fight. And then once those guys come together, it's just going to be bigger. It was like a four-man tournament. Eric, you love tournaments. Love you always tournaments. talk about tournaments. It was love a four-man tournament. And Aljo has now become the number one contender. He's the number one contender. He's the number one seed in the end. Well, he's on deck because technically the number one contenders are Jan and Aldo. No, no, he's the number one contender now to to the championship fight that's about to happen. Uh, When you did the first show at the Apex, you texted me early on and you're like, how do you like the interviews? And I was like, eh, something seems off. I've totally changed my, my perspective on the interview. The interviews remind me of like 1987 WWF where they're standing in front of the uh, the backdrop and they get to do the promos <laughs> where they're all, you know, like when they would go to the back with Mean Gene Okerlund. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, it would yeah. be like SummerSlam in the back and they're all sweaty. And the Aljo one might be the best one so far because of the pause comment, right? Dude, that was the best. <laughs> I don't see how people miss that. He's like, Peter Yan, I'm coming for that ass. Pause. <laughs> Heard it? How could they have not heard that? Well, he said something 
different the first time, and then he corrected it and still gave himself the pause. It so, was great. It, when I was, and then when he was on on Twitter, I put pause. Like when somebody put it, and everybody was like, like thought that I said it. No, I was just saying what Aljo had said. It was the dude. He, he and plus he's got everything. Aljamain Sterling. I feel like he should be a massive star. He's kind of got it all, right? He's hmm. he's good looking. He's good in fighting. He wears the rope necklace. He's got it all. He's got a great personality. Um, I think that Aljamain Star is just starting to truly shine, and that performance is going to put him on the next level. And I'm excited to see what this turns into because when I think of, like, my nephew, right, my nephew Jamel in Oklahoma, he's around that age. They have the same type of haircut. Like, they look at Aljo, especially people in the urban community, and go, man, this is a dude I can get behind. And I know for a long time they talk about uh, the UFC kind of really starting to connect with more people in the black community and, and in the urban areas. I think Aljamain Sterling is one of those guys that can really help to bridge the gap as I started to and Jones has started to. I think you're going to see guys like Aljo truly make a mark uh, in that, that, that fan base. The, the knock on him early on in his career was that he was better in the gym than he was in the cage. He wasn't going into that next gear in the fights. He was afraid to get hit. He was afraid to really put himself out there. That guy seems to be gone. Ever since he got knocked out by Marlon Marais, he's a totally different guy, and he's looking phenomenal. Now, speaking of the bantamweight wait, division. Wait, 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 You know he told us that, Eric? He actually told us that. Yeah, what do you he think? I just, told us you think I just meetings. speak? Like, you think yeah. I'm just talking out of no. my butt here? No, yeah. he said that after the knockout, he, he said he does a lot of small glove sparring now. Because he realized, oh, this isn't so bad. If this is the worst that can happen, it ain't so bad. That's, Changed him. That's crazy, right? Because now, dude's probably the best, one of the best in the world. What about Maybe that the co- best bantamweight in the world. What about that Cody Garbrandt hair? <laughs> he looks, hey, he looks so good. He looks so good. Cody Garbrandt, let me tell you something. Cody Garbrandt before with the haircut and the clean, all the tattoos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. His looks was why people were drawn into watching him fight. Mm-hmm. Part of it. That was part of it. Well, dude's hair, nah. <laughs> it flows, man. He When he went down and he threw the right hook, boom. Everything. The right hook landed, but then the hair just went. It just like fluttered, man. Cody Garbrandt, that new haircut, man. He's got something with that. I don't know if they still have like those uh, teeny bop uh, magazines. <laughs> like what were they called? Um, teen, it was like teen beat or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he... You'd be perfect. Not not to suggest that you know. Well, he looks not like with a the teenager. tattoos. Not with the tattoos. Like the in tattoos. This day and age, fit. people like tat. It's like it's a lot more common. Okay, no? okay, okay. The okay. neck tat. You know, people like it. Um, you compared him to. I think it was you who compared him to Teen yeah, Wolf. Teen Wolf. Yeah, he did. nailed Remember it. Teen Wolf. Yeah. Like Teen Wolf had the beard and the long flowing hair. It was. It, yeah. He, he. He. The dude showed a really improved version of himself in terms of his patience, staying the course, doing exactly what he'd been training. And honestly, man, that's, that's Mark Henry. I, I, I've always admired Mark Henry from the side, yeah. but now after working with him, dude's a genius, man. So I was going to bring that up. Someone asked me, what was the difference between this Cody? He was on the three fight losing streak. And I said, the difference is Mark Henry. Mark Henry is one of the best striking coaches, and you had a chance to work with him this past week. Does this mean – is Mark Henry going to be – I saw the pictures. Is he going to be in your corner? No. Well, so I talked to Coach Henry, and I yeah. told him that I want to work more as I get ready for my fight, and he offered up me going out to Jersey. He said he'd come out to visit me in California. 
Wow. Worked out. So yeah, man, I want to continue the relationship a little bit. I've, I've only used my coaches, but to have another set of eyes, uh, is very, very good for me. And that's not taking anything away from my coaches. I'll never leave Rosendo Sanchez, Javier Mendez, uh, Leandro, uh, Bob and Rudy, but to have another set of eyes is, is, is great. And it's also, uh, to have a guy like Mark who's so committed to, uh, preparation and detail. I mean, I did some things last week with coach Henry. And again, we, we had never really dealt with anyone punching me in the body like Miocic did. But after Mark watched the fight, first off, there's some tells. There's some massive tells as to what Stipe is doing when he throws that punch. And also the things that we worked on in preparation for that, that I'm going to continue to work on with my coaches now, I believe that it's going to really benefit me early in the fight against Miocic. And uh, if I can exploit him the way that I have been in my training now, I may get another knockout. Oh, and we shall talk about what's been uh, transpiring between you and Stipe um, later on in today's program. But Mark Henry, one of my favorite people in the sport, just a genuinely great soul, right? Like just a and on his, you saw on his arm, he had yeah. he wrote Black Lives Matter on his arm. He just like the dude is just like the dude is just the dude is just like so in tune with everything because he pays attention to everything. Ariel, when he walked into the to the training session for the first time, he had pieces of paper of all the strikes from the fight, but also not only the strikes and, and, and where the strikes happen, but also the counters to those strikes and a plan as to which you could try to approach the improvements in the rematch. It's, it's a, it was very impressive. It was. And, and you could see how much he implemented into Cody's game and Cody looked phenomenal. Big performance. He needed that too. Yeah, he looked great. Um, good to have him back. Another good guy in the in the game, and it was tough to see him on that losing streak. Sugar Sean O'Malley looked oh. phenomenal as well. The hair is just amazing. The knockout. Anyone who you like that, you like that Sean O'Malley hair. Ooh, that's that's six I, nine Takashi. I mean, he got the six nine Takashi haircut, and this dude has rainbow all up in his hair. He said he didn't want to do it, didn't do it before, but his striking, his power, his confidence. Sean O'Malley has star written all over him. Now, I, I, I love that he's very confident. I hope that he approaches all the, the, the renegotiations and things in the right way that allows for him to continue to grow himself mm. within this organization because Sean O'Malley has it. And with it, his fighting ability and the power of that organization behind him, he can go to levels that he could never have imagined. Yeah, I hope that they push him the right way and continue to push him the way he's being pushed slowly but surely. I saw some people talking about him versus Cody next. I don't way like too that. too much. No, do him versus like a Marlon Vera. They've got some history. I think that makes a lot more sense. The Marlins, the Song Yadongs of the 135-pound division make a lot more sense to me, but he is a star. And if they book him the right way, they've got something special on their hands with uh, with Sean O'Malley. Um, you were phenomenal. All jokes aside, you were phenomenal. With the Telestrator, you're having a blast. You, Rogan, and Anik are great. I was very jealous of you that you got a glowing tweet from Gina Carano. I mean, you got a tweet from Gina Carano. I, I mean, did? You didn't see that? No, I didn't. He what was giving you praise. Gina, the summer of DC, I'm telling you, is a real thing. And now you've got the <laughs> GOAT, Gina Carano, giving you praise on Twitter. You didn't see that? No, I didn't see it. Man, should I pull this up? Just tell me I... what it says, please. Me... Here, here's, said... what, here's what it said. 
Oh, here's Corporate Jake chiming in. Accurate, and also I'll have whatever DC MMA is having. Make it a double. Because well, she, she was responding was, to re- responding to Ariel's tweet saying, "Feels like Garbrandt threw that punch with three and a half years of frustration behind it. Y'all must have forgot." And then she said, "Accurate." And then she wanted whatever you're having, DC. So she is she is basically saying she's enjoying your work on That's the good. broadcast. And I was jealous. <laughs> I'm trying. Look, man, I'm telling you, when I'm working, I have the best job in the world, right? I get to talk to you on Mondays and then go on the weekend and watch and call fights. It's it is legitimately the best job in the world. I'm just like a kid in the Which candy job do you like better, though? Hey, man, I love you. You're Thank a great you. guy. That's a good, you know? that's a good but answer. <laughs> I love watching the fights, dog. I love watching the fights. It's like, that's the, I love watching the fights. I'm a fan. I'm still a fan of this thing. And for, the, for me to be employed by the, you know, to call them, I can see why all those guys always had so much fun. Boss, Mauro. Uh, Chevello, Rogan, uh, Goldberg. I always thought like, wow, these guys are enjoying themselves. And now that I do it, I'm like, wow, they are. And we have a great time. And I believe now that, uh, I think Annex the best the UFC's ever had. And I believe Joe Rogan is, is one of the easiest guys to work with. My boy Mikey Bisming, DJ Mikey B. He's the man. Like I've been able to work with some great guys. I love working. And, with and I, I still haven't made the broadcast, but I did hear the people's main event. I did. I dropped, that was for you, baby. My brother. That was for you, baby. My brother. The people's That's, main event. I'll, I'll I, take I that you. over a tweet any day. You. I'll take that you, over dog. a tweet any day. I got you, dog. Oh the people's main event. I popped big time when I heard that. I popped massive. <laughs> um, all right. Okay, so that's 250. We could talk more about the other big winners, but we have to transition over to some other big news. But before we do that, we're about to talk some finances, so let's pay some bills as I put my old man glasses on here because I can't read this anymore. All right, here we go. Let's tell you about our good friends over at Ancestry DNA. You may be familiar with major events and battles of World War II. Who isn't? But there are so many more stories to uncover. The skill and bravery of the Tuskegee Airmen. You know the Tuskegee Airmen, right, DC? An all-African-American squad of uh, fighter pilots, the incredible women who trained to become pilots and mechanics, the Japanese-American battalion that became one of America's most decorated units despite discrimination against Japanese-Americans at the time. In honor of the 75th anniversary of the end of World War II, Ancestry has just released a U.S. draft card collection from World War II with over 36 million draft cards completed by fighting-age men in the United States across the country during that time, whether they ended up serving or not. There's a great chance that you could find your relatives in this collection and it can help you learn more about what their lives were like and discover World War II from the diverse perspectives of those who were there. Uncover your ancestors' personal details in our World War II U.S. Draft Collection, which shows details like home address, physical description, and more. Discover your untold stories right now. Head to our URL at Ancestry.com slash MMA to start discovering your story today. Again, that's Ancestry.com slash MMA. So Saturday night, UFC 250 ends. I'm about to go to bed. I'm like, oh, this is actually pretty good. It's it's like 1.30 a.m. Eastern time. About to go to bed. And then Conor McGregor tweets that he has decided to retire Yada, yada, yada. I'm up for another four hours after talking to him and I went to bed at five o'clock, but it was all worth it. It was great. And I appreciate him talking to me. Um, I'm assuming you've seen the tweet. You may have seen some of the quotes. I know you were disconnected from the world, but uh, did you see the quotes or no? No, I didn't see the quotes. Okay. Thanks, DC. I I appreciate you supporting my work. I just like, I just wish Connor would just pick better timing because it's like these fighters are giving themselves and they're all to everything. 
And every time he does something like that, he completely like takes the this, this story, right? So we went from, I mean, before Amanda got to the back to be celebrated, the, the, it had shifted to Conor McGregor. And it's cool, man. Like, okay, you're the biggest star in the UFC. Everybody knows it. But like, I mean, could Amanda have like had her moment, you know, a little bit? That's, that's the only thing that I don't like about the time. And I get it. You know, I get that you're, I get that he's upset and disappointed and wants to fight. Like, we all want to see you fight. Right. Man, let Amanda have her moment. You know, like, she just put out this fantastic performance, and now all anybody wants to talk about is what Connor's doing. So I, I don't disagree with your point at all. And, in fact, you can make a case that if you drop the tweet, say, Monday afternoon, it's a lot more effective What's the than difference? Saturday like, there night. is no difference. There right. is no difference. Like, you could so, say that at any time. So here's what I think happened. And I spoke to him afterwards, and and – what he said to me was, I'm frustrated. Basically, I've had enough. I'm frustrated. I want to fight. Now, there's a lot going on in the sport, right? There's a lot going on with the top guys. You know, there's Henry Cejudo walking away. There's John Jones openly feuding with the UFC. There's Jorge Masvidal openly feuding with the UFC. And now there's Conor McGregor. But here's the thing. A lot of people want to, they want to group all these four stories together. And while there may be common denominators, the four stories are actually very different. Their, their causes and their complaints are actually very different. So let me break it down like this for the people, right? Henry Cejudo walked away after his win over Dominic Cruz for the most part because he feels like he's not getting enough money, right? He also is saying like family, things like that, but he just wants to get more money to fight right now, right? He just wants more money to defend his 135 title. Uh-huh. John Jones is saying, I have no problem with what I made in my last fight at 205. I want to be incentivized. I want more money to go up to heavyweight to fight and Ganu. Jorge Masvidal is saying, you paid me X amount to fight Nate Diaz, Nathan Diaz, at Madison Square Garden for the BMF title. Now you're saying you want to pay me less money to fight against Kamaru Usman for the real belt. Connor isn't even talking about money. Connor's saying, I just want to fight. You guys need to get me a fight. Like, I'm frustrated. I had a horrible 2019. Here I am, healthy, on the straight and narrow. I'm out of trouble. Can you get me my three fights the season that I talked about? So can you say that maybe money is a factor in all of these things? Yes, but they all have different gripes with the UFC. It's not like they're all talking about the same thing. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, it does. It does. And so Connor's main thing is, hey, guys, I told you I wanted to fight three times. Can you get me a fight? And perhaps it's an indictment on the matchmaking. Perhaps you could say like, hey, they should have had someone ready. Like, okay, Gaethje, Khabib are fighting in September. I don't think it makes any sense to have Conor wait for the winner of that fight because now we're talking December, January. You have a healthy Conor McGregor. I know there are no fans in attendance. There's no gate. I, I think part of that is – I think that's part of the biggest reason, though, honestly. And if Conor wants to fight, I say get him a fight. Give him somebody. I mean, there's somebody that – anybody will fight Conor McGregor. But um, when you look at the business, you got to admit, you know, that's a massive – Loss, not having fans to a Conor McGregor fight. Whereas even when I fight John Jones, this, the ringside tickets are 1100, 1200. Conor McGregor fights Donald Cerrone, the ringside seats are 2500. But is so it worth like, icing him? No, it's not worth icing him. Find him a fight, but I understand where the hesitation comes. Because what if Conor goes into a fight and gets, you know, say he has another performance like he had against Cowboy? Great. But what if he gets hurt in a fight and now he fought in July, can't fight again, and he didn't fight in front of fans. You know what I'm saying? Because I don't believe the UFC is going to ever go back to allowing fans until you can sell out arenas again. So it's like um, I understand the hesitation, but if he's so upset that he's going to walk away, 
I say get him a fight. You know, there's some, you know, get him Diaz. I mean, let him fight Anderson Silva. Just get him a fight. Well, here's what I told his team. I wish that he didn't use the R word, right? Because when it's people too, see the too tweet, many times, people are like, oh, they roll their eyes and they don't actually then listen to what he says. Now, the first two times he did it, he didn't do an interview that day. Luckily enough, he spoke to me and he explained his feelings and I understood where he was coming from. Initially, mm-hmm. here's what I thought. Initially, I thought he was sitting at home. He was watching the fight with Amanda Nunes and Felicia Spencer. He heard the broadcast talking about how she's now the first double champion to defend the titles, you know, at the same time and all that stuff. And he took that as a slight. So he's like, you know what? Screw you guys. I'm out. That's, that was my initial reaction when I saw the tweet and maybe that contributed a little bit. But then when I spoke to him, I realized the guy's just frustrated. He's watching other people fight in empty arenas. Like, Hey, can you just get me a fight? And so I understand the frustration. Now the big question is, can they figure out a way to make this worthwhile for them financially when you're not going to have anyone in attendance? I personally feel like he will, like if you get him on the July 11th card, there's still not going to be any sports. You're going to make a killing with that pay-per-view. Yeah. You're going to make a ton of pay-per-view, but Yes, yes, and you should get Connor on the July 11 card. I agree with you in that sense. Get him in there, get him, get him fighting. Because even if it's Jan versus Aldo for the title, Connor McGregor goes at the top of the card uh, over that. You know what I'm saying? Like, and he makes it a massive card. Anytime he's involved, it becomes a massive card. But you have to pay Connor McGregor. You understand? Like. Connor's not going to take any less money and he's going to sell a ton of pay-per-views. But again, one direct source of income, one big, uh, one big massive amount of the money that he makes or that he makes for the company comes from that gate. That's all eliminated, but Connor's still going to want to be paid in the exact same way. Do you understand? And sure. he, as he should, as he should. Well, but he again, never made a, he never made a cut of the gate, but I'm sure. No, they, but still like it's, count. They know you that take it's into coming. account, like, right. hey, even if I'm not giving Connor any of the gate, I know that that's a $10 million gate. So if I got to pay Connor $15 million, knowing what he's going to make for me on the pay-per-view, I know that he had a $10 million gate at minimum. You know, that's a, and, and the merchandise sales are up when Connor fights. Like everything is just bigger. I mean, I remember I go to fights and I look at the merchandise stands and there's a few throughout the concourse. But when Connor fights, they're everywhere. They're sure. outside the arena. They're inside the arena. Everything's just bigger when he competes, and that whole aspect of that is gone when he fights in front of no fans. So I get, I get why there's a little hesitancy there, but it's not worth risking losing him for the long term because you can't make him happy right now. Yeah, and we're seeing this in boxing too. Like Terrence Crawford said, hey, uh, you know, I want to, you know, I don't want to fight now. I want to wait on the sidelines until mm-hmm. the fans come in because in boxing, the model is different, right? You can, yeah, and they get can, paid on all that. Yeah, they get paid on all that. But it's kind of the same thing because Connor plays by a different set of rules. Yes, My main does. thing is I wish he didn't use the R word, right? Because mm-hmm. I think what he is saying is legitimate. Like, hey, I was out. I want to fight. And you have a, yes. a, like, a hungry Connor wanting to fight. Motivated. You got to figure it out. You got to figure- make it happen. happen. Again, it, it, it's, it's not worth the it's not worth the penalty if he's going to walk away. It's not worth it. You know, it's, you've got to make it work for him in that sense. But he told me back I mean, in January, I'll never retire. I don't, I think we'll see him again. I mm-hmm. think what he's just trying to say was like, I'm in, I'm frustrated, right? I'm yeah. He's bored. very frustrated. And you know, that's his way. He's like, man, I, I can walk away from this thing because if anybody can truly walk away, 
it is Conor McGregor. I mean, Cejudo, I believe, is so smart with his money that he can walk away. Um, Jones has made a ton of money. So because he's made so much money, maybe he can walk away. Masvidal made big money against Diaz, but it's not like for years we've been talking about all the money that Jorge's made. No. I think he's the one that's actually in the toughest spot because I don't think he has as much financial security as the rest of the guys. But he's saying he's trying to fight for that financial security by doing what he's doing. So I want to ask you this question. Of the four, and the answer could be none, who has the most legitimate gripe in your opinion? You could say they're all out of their mind and they shouldn't be complaining. You could say all four. Who has the most legitimate gripe? And, I, and I've, I've been thinking about this question, so if you want me to answer mm-hmm. first while you think that's okay, but I want to ask you, who do you think has the most legitimate gripe? Is it Cejudo who says, you know, and by the way, Cejudo said today, there's only one fight that I'll come back for. It's Volkanovski. So, you know, I don't think a lot of people believe that Cejudo is done because he, he doesn't go away. The guy doesn't go away. Like, <laughs> make us miss you, Henry, for God's sakes. Like, stop talking for a month or a week. Or is it Jones who's saying, pay me more to go to Nganu? Is it Masvidal who's saying, you need to pay me what you paid me for Nate or more because I'm a bigger star now? Or is it Connor who's just like, hey, guys, look, give me a fight and I'll do whatever. But, you know, obviously you're going to lose you're going to lose on the uh, the gate or the no uh-huh. gate. Honestly, I think I, I don't believe that anyone's being – I don't know what they're asking for. Do you understand? So I don't know how to base my answer. I don't know if Jones is wrong unless he's asking for something outlandish. Mm. Right? I believe that. I truly believe that Jones and, and, and the UFC are going to make work. I think that they're going to come to a number that works for him. Maybe he won't fight in Ghana and he'll continue to make the money that he's making. Um, I don't, the only one that I don't, so, Jorge Masvidal and Nate Diaz is going to sell, right? That's a guarantee. But is that a credit to Jorge or Nate Diaz, right? If if Jorge said the other day that, why do you want to pay me less because I'm fighting a guy that can't sell? Well, you're the biggest star. You should be able to sell the pay-per-view. Do you understand? Like, It's like, did the pay-per-view sell based on Jorge or did it sell based on Nate Diaz? Um does Henry Cejudo move the needle? How do you base what he's worth? And has he met or not gotten to that expectation? So I think the biggest gripe, honestly, is 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 Connor because he just wants to fight. Hmm. Just get the guy a fight. You know, he's not talking about money. And I believe that the loss on the financial side is on the UFC. Like Dana always says, they take all the risk, right? This is a situation where um, I believe – Connor just wants to fight, and you got to hope that his star will shine as bright as it normally does, and he'll sell enough pay-per-view to make up for anything you lose on the live portion of the uh, the fight. I don't, I don't disagree. Um, I think that that's, and, and in many respects, that might be the easiest one to solve, easiest right? Because fix, yes. he, he's not, again, he's like he made a point to say like it's not about money, but you know, it's about. I want to fight. And he also said, like, I'm getting tired of this. It doesn't excite me. But I think he loves fighting and he'll always love fighting and he'll be a fighter forever. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he's fighting on the same card as his son, Connor Jr., who he'll probably try <laughs> to groom to be a fighter as well, you know, try to do like a LeBron James thing. But I think that Masvidal is the most dangerous for two reasons. Number one, 
you know, in the past, we this is not new, by the way. Like we've seen people openly feud with UFC. I remember when Randy Couture did it back in 2007 and tried to get Mark Cuban involved. He wanted to fight Fyodor Emelianenko, all that stuff. And then what happens every time? What happens is they cut a deal with that guy. He's happy, and then he stays quiet, right? No one actually like. I think a lot of fans are being are asking, "Is this going to be the thing that galvanizes everyone to create a union and an association?" But historically, what happens is you get yours and you stay quiet, right? Masvidal is the first one to now start saying like, hey, you've upset me. Now I'm taking a step back and I'm looking at everything. I'm looking at the whole business. And my understanding from talking to his team is he feels disrespected. Masvidal, remember, is a guy whose father, you know, escaped uh, communist Cuba, who knows what it feels like, you know, to be oppressed, so to speak. And I think some of those feelings are coming out at him. And so he's not stopping, right? Like he goes on these tweet rants where he's talking about everything. So he's the most dangerous. And I do understand where he's coming from when it comes to the idea like, wait, I fought for essentially a fake belt and I'm getting more for that than for the real belt. How does that make sense? Now, one is happening in the midst of a pandemic. One happened at MSG. There's the gate stuff that we just talked about. But I understand his his gripe as well. And I think that the UFC needs to do a better job right now in explaining to the public these things and not just say like, hey, you know, everyone's acting crazy. All my guys are acting crazy. Like Danny keeps saying my guys are acting crazy because of the pandemic. With all due respect to you fighters, DC, I see you all training. You all seem very happy. You don't seem like you're acting crazy. I think people are just starting to, you know, speak up and we're using the pandemic as the excuse for their their disillusionment when one I think has nothing to do with the other. They need to explain it better or or not, or just let the fighters continue to control the narrative. I think it also, honestly, man, like it'll come to a point where, you know, all these fighters, like the fighters all these guys are all entitled to how they're feeling right now. There is no reason that they should not voice their displeasure. But ultimately, as a guy, I'm trying, and I'm just explaining this as a guy that's a friend to the fighter that in all business, and this is all business, doing things publicly always makes it so much more tense. It's just so much more tense. It's easier to do these things directly. I know the public won't like hearing that because everybody likes the story. But the reality is it's so much easier to do things uh, in a more direct approach because here's the deal. You can have a million fans, on all these fans on your side rooting you on and all the reporters rooting you on saying this is the way to do it. But ultimately, if it doesn't cause for wholesale change, the only person that's going to lose out is the fighter. Mm. And that's just the truth because, as you said, man, all these people have taken this approach. They've been paid. They've gotten quiet. And the UFC just continues to grow and grow and grow. And it's just a dangerous, it's just a dangerous battle to go about publicly. And I just think that it's always, it always feels good when people are rooting you on and patting you on the back and saying, good job. But ultimately, the people that suffer, if it doesn't work out in their favor, is the fighter. And those same people that are telling you to go and fight this organization that's allowed you to make all this money and become who you are, those people don't give you money in, in, when things are starting to go sideways. You still got to look at yourself and go, how do I get back to where I want to be? And that's to go back to where you were. You're going to have to go back because, hey, man, if they start icing themselves out, you see it with big companies all the time, right? When these people go through these lawsuits, they just extend you and extend you and extend you. 
And then when yeah. you dry up, that company continues to roll. And it's like, man, I just think that direct is the best way for these guys to handle it. Especially, hey, especially John Jones. Cause he's got all kinds of power, right? I mean, it's shown in all the indiscretions how he's been saved on so many occasions. He has a ton of power. He well, he has a ton of power until he loses, right? Yeah, but then, but he doesn't lose Ariel. That's well, I mean, but you is it possible, by the way, is it possible that he's speaking out now because he saw what happened against Dominic Reyes and he's mm. like, okay, now's mm. the time to push my chips into the middle of the table. That's possible maybe, too. Maybe. It's not as But do you understand as, what I'm saying? Though? Yes, do you understand I, I get what it. I'm saying? Like, I'm just saying like as a guy that I'm, I'm just saying guys, like, I get it. I get it. But like Connor's thing, easy to fix. So publicly, whatever. But all these like contractual issues i think these guys should be doing that directly and if they don't want to deal with dana talk to hunter hunter's very like reasonable in a lot of situations you know dana's like one of us he gets you know if he gets mad he gets mad but the other guy hunter's not like that hunter campbell you're talking campbell, about yes. who i described as sort of like the gm the general counsel yes. of the ufc who does a lot of these deals i mean dana said it on saturday i don't know why he never actually references hunter he always says like my guy or my lawyer this and that mm-hmm. he's a very important player in the in the organization he said i'm not the one negotiating these deals it's other people and that's probably for the best because as you said he is so emotional yeah but he, gets I, he does say in the post-fight press conference like hey these guys could do whatever they want like if they don't want to fight they don't want to fight and I think some people look at that because I'm asked this, like, all oh, right, so then why don't they just go fight somewhere else? Well, they can't. It's, it's not that easy. You're on the right? contract. Yeah, yeah, it's not that easy. But you cannot fight. And, but then if you don't fight, then ultimately, who does it hurt? Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, that, that's well, all I'm he, saying. And he also said these guys just signed new deals, and they did. And I wrote about this last week. But you know very well, if they give you a big deal to fight at MSG, like, if you, if you have a contract and you say, all right, I'll take this fight at MSG, and I want more money, They'll say yes, but then they'll tack on more fights, right? That's why all these guys have new deals because they just went through the song and dance of the negotiation. Like if Masvidal gets more money to fight Usman, he's getting more fights on that contract. That's just the game. That's the game. So they'll never be free agents if this, that's why I wrote it on ESPN last week. The system is broken because it's always like, I'm going to negotiate the next time. Who are you waving at, by the way? What's going on over it's there? A, it's a fly or something. Okay. Just waving I just think the whole, the whole system is broken and I don't know how to fix it necessarily, but <laughs> these guys are upset because of the number of fights and these guys are saying, Hey, you, you honored a deal, which they're very well within their rights to say that and they can't meet in the middle. And now we're seeing it all kind of combust here. Yeah, Ariel, but like when you ask, when you, if so, Again, like you said, we talked about this with Scotty Pippen, right? They could just say, no, this is what you're, this is what you're, you're assigned to. This is what you have to fight for. And you're going to either fight these fights or you're not going to fight and you're still going to be under contract. But when guys are like, I want more money, they say, okay, we'll give you more money. But then, like you said, they tack on more fights, right? It's like, but the cup, you get the money. The company gets the fights. It's just, it's just the way business goes in all in across the board. So when you go to ESPN, Ariel, and you your contract is about to expire, or and you say, I want more money, they're gonna say, Okay, we'll give you more money, but then you're gonna get a new contract for this years, right? You'll have years to work to earn that money, right? And you may get more in terms of yearly in that time, but you're not gonna get more money for a year. You're gonna get more money for another four or five year contract. They're going to lock you down, and that's going to work. And in, in year two, you're probably going to be like, you know what, man? If my star has gotten bigger, if I'm shining brighter than I ever have, you may say, I want more money again. 
but you think that when you go get more money, they're going to say, okay, I'm going to give you more money for the remainder of this contract, or they're going to extend that contract longer when you get more money. It's just the way it works. Like It's very complex. It's a very complex so when Steph, Curry, when Steph Curry signs that Supermax, he doesn't sign that Supermax just to finish out the contract he's on. Sure. They add years. It's the way it works in all sports. Yeah, but again, it's different because in our sport, it is in years, right? Like you sign a seven-fight deal, you don't fight. That gets paused, right? It's not like you can sit out and mm-hmm. get, or you get injured and the, the clock keeps running. So it's, I understand the idea of comparing it to other sports, but it's just so different than other sports, but like, right? But then even Dana says you're healthy. I'm obligated to give you three fights a year. Yeah. So essentially when you sign a six fight contract, you're signing a two year contract. If you fight the way that you're supposed to fight, if you're fight health, if you're healthy and you can go, you can get those six fights in two years. So essentially you're getting two fight contracts. Two-year contracts. I'm sorry. Okay, very cool. Do you think you think Connor fights this year? I do, and I think they make it work with Connor for July. If if Connor just wants to fight, I think they make it work for him. Think, I, it would be very smart to make it work for him. You think Masvidal fights Usman after all this a week later? Or do you think they go with Burns? I think Burns is going to get the title fight. I don't. I don't know. Hats off to Jorge for standing up for what he believes in, and I think that he will. He will do what he's saying and he'll wait. But I just believe that I don't believe and God, I'm trying not to like make it seem, I don't want to, I don't want to make it seem like I'm not agreeing with Jorge, but I don't believe how many fights does Jorge have? 40, 40 fights. He's oh, and it's, yeah. Something like that. Yeah. What's his record? Uh, What's Jorge's it? record? I'll look it up for you while you speak. Yeah. He isn't, he isn't a guy that has held the belt for 10 years like Jones. And made millions upon millions and upon millions of dollars. So I just don't know. And maybe if, that's uh, why he wants to cash in now, right? Because he's never yes. been more 35 and 13. So what is that? Yeah, uh, that's 50, 48 fights. 48. It's almost 50 fights in his career. Yeah. He wants to make more money, but because he hasn't had, because he hasn't had that sustained success at the top of the sport, I don't know if the dollars will match and allow him to sit out as long as some of these other dudes do. It's a fascinating thing, and you know, you, you wonder. July 11th is coming up. That's the next pay per view. There's no main event, and if you just look at every division, heavyweight not available, light heavyweight not available, middleweight not available. Skip over 170. We'll get no, to you in a second. This is good. That's why 170. That's why Jorge is in a good position right yeah. now because July 11th, they need that they need fight. Something, but they and, might go with Burns because as long as there are Gilbert Burns's out there, that'll it's fight. Be tough. Mm-hmm. It's going to be tough for Masvidal to really mm-hmm. stick to his guns. And Gilbert right. Burns is ready to go. Like yeah, Gilbert Burns will go right now. At a discount, too. So that's why it hurts his cost, Less right? money than Masvidal, and he's ready to go right so now. So if the Warriors are negotiating with the with, with Curry, it's not like they'll go like, hey, we're going to sign you know Ray Allen at a cheaper rate, and then you can you know come and, and, and that hurts your spot. That's that's mm-hmm. the fight game. It's unfortunate, yeah. but it's not. That's why it's not apples to apples. Anyway, well, and, me, and, and Ari, you've seen it in boxing too, right? Like in boxing too, it's the same thing. When guys were trying to fight Mike Tyson, when they priced themselves out, like we they they tried to make the Wilder versus uh, Joshua fight so oh. many times, right? And when it didn't happen, Anthony Joshua said, "I'll fight somebody else." Here comes Andy Ruiz, right? It's like there's always another guy that's willing to do it, and that's what makes it hard to take the approach that some of these guys are taking. Time now to tell you about our good friends over at Modelo. Modelo Especial. That's right. Two ad reads today because we are just killing it here at ESPN. Modelo is the official beer 
of UFC and partners with the reigning defending double champ herself, Amanda Nunez, who we just spoke about. But I'll tell you what, her opponent on Saturday, Felicia Spencer, she has the fighting spirit too. She refused to give up, even when the odds were stacked against her. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter if you're from Canada, Brazil, America, Lafayette, Louisiana. It doesn't matter where you come from. It matters what you're made of, just like all great beers. Odell has been the gold standard since 1925. Odell is a crisp Pilsner-style lager that set the standard for authentic Mexican beer. Odell uses premium hops to give the golden lager its crisp taste. So when you're watching the UFC this Saturday or the Saturday after that or the Saturday after that, make sure you have a crisp Modelo Especial within reach. Modelo Especial. Brewed for those with a fighting spirit. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Now, DC, did we bury the lead? What's going on? Yesterday night, we had a tweet from Stipe. Did you just say yesterday night? Yeah, is that bad? It's <laughs> awful. What? It's last night, dude. Whatever. It was yesterday, yesterday night. Yesterday night. What? It was at night. <laughs> what? It was at night. Okay. Listen, I'm under a lot of pressure here. I've got everyone yelling at me. Hurry up. Read this. Do that. Do that. Oh. Yesterday night. Yesterday at night. It was. It wasn't yesterday night. One word. It was yesterday, comma night. It was yesterday oh. at night. You know what last I mean. Last night. Last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stipe, your boy, Miacic says, "I'm ready to go." Essentially, in all intents and purposes. And then you respond, "Let's go." What? What is? What is happening here? What happened? He's well, we're been- getting, we're, getting, we're, we're starting to talk. We're starting to get close. We're starting to get close. I can't Let's share do. right now. Why? Well, Start your show. Like, it, it's starting to look like Stipe. It's like, man, let's do this. You know, it's starting to look like Stipe is like, let's do this. You know, I want to put this rivalry to bed. I want to get done. I want to get this trilogy done so that uh, he can uh, either, you know, go forward or retire. You know, he, he, uh, so he, he, he has ignited talks. He just said, yes, he is more inclined to, uh, to, oh. to, to get this thing done. Him and I, is he able to train? Ohio's open now, I think. Yeah, gyms and everything are open. So, yeah, dude can train. There's no more excuses. August? I don't know. I don't know yet. I'm hoping for August. Hoping for August. August 1st is coming up very quick. Remember before we yeah. I kept targeting yeah. that date? Uh, that's coming up very, very quick. So I don't know if if uh, that's going to be the day. But um, hopefully, hopefully August. Wow. What are, what are you, yawning? I mean – What's happening? I woke here? up at five o'clock in the morning. Yeah, why? I mean, I just wake up early. I just like every time, like I roll, I I startle myself awake every. I snore myself awake almost every morning. You snore yourself awake? Yeah, I'm like snoring. Ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> I scare myself when I snore so loud, you know. And then that's it. Yeah, and I'm up. Then I look around and I'm scared, like I'm panicking, and I just don't know what's happening. And then I just wake up. I hope I hope that when they do like the Barker videos for this fight, you know, like they'll usually take clips from other interviews and stuff like that. I hope they when they talk about when the fight really got going, they use the clip of you yawning as you were trying to get people excited for this. <laughs> no, fight. no, no, I wasn't oh, looking like August. <laughs> no, I wasn't this like, Saturday. Like, oh no, no, like me, like yawning, like oh, I gotta fight this dude again. I'm gonna beat him up again. Like that, yeah. Like that. This is it, DC. This is the beginning of your final training camp ever. Yes. Can you believe that? By the it way, I don't be, believe it for a second. It would be awesome. It'd be awesome. Like, you know what's going to happen? Jones is going to beat Francis. You're going to beat Stipe. You guys are going to do the trilogy at heavyweight. I would not be goaded into fighting again after this. I'm going to ride into the sunset. I'm going to ride. Oh, I'm going to ride. I'm going to ride that. I'm going to ride my old buggy 
like the Beverly Hillbillies into the sunset, popping and, and just going crazy down the down the road. I'm gonna be ready to go. Do I love know? it though. I, mean, I love the game, but I'm really loving the commentary. I'm really loving what life looks like uh, after fighting. But I have unfinished business before I can do that. Okay, so you're confident this is gonna happen now. You yeah, don't feel like you need to like tell him, let's go champ. It sounds like things, the engine is revving on the other side. It's starting like, it, it sounds like Stipe wants to make me shut up. Mondays have got to be like the worst day of the week for him because he knows that I'm saying something. So now he's probably like, okay, I finally get to go shut this dude up once and for all. Fight Island or Apex, you think? I mean, I'd like to fight on Fight Island, but I don't know if that'll happen. You want happen. to go all the way there? There's reports, Abu Dhabi, nothing confirmed, but you like you could just drive to Vegas four hours. I, no, it isn't. Vegas is seven hours. I drove Whatever. it yesterday. All right, but same thing. I, anywhere, I, I, I just want to fight. It really doesn't matter to me. Small cage? If it's, at, if it's in Vegas, yeah, it's going to have to be the small cage. I wow. imagine Fight Island is going to be the big cage, though. Yeah. But small cage, um, I don't mind it. You know, I fought Josh very, Barnett in twenty six. I fought I fought Josh Barnett in a twenty six foot cage. Right. So I'm used to the, the, the small cage already. But I'm hoping I'm hoping that it gets done soon. You know, like very soon. Well, the thing I want to know is like, who do I apply for the corner license? Like, do I apply to Nevada? Do I apply to the fight? Oh, it'll be Nevada. Nevada. It'll be Nevada. Well, yeah. you know, we could try, but um, there's a good possibility that. You're not going to corner me, oh. <laughs> you know, especially if Mark Henry is now in the game and all oh, these no. other guys, like my, my normal guys, Mark Henry, like you're way on the bottom. Like Javier, Men- like Javier Mendez is going to be there. Bob Cook is going to be there. Rosendo Sanchez is going to be there. Leandro Vera is going to be there. Generally, there's only four corners. Right. So Ariel, you tell me right now who's out, who's out, who's out of my corner so you can fit in. I could be the, the, the Bobby, the brain, like the manager who just kind of roams around the cage shouting instructions you know <laughs> maybe i try to trip steve trip when we get to the edge like salt just... in his eyes like mr fuji you know what i mean just something like that i don't hey, know i mean last last august i could have used you blowing something into his eyes i could have used the help back then but i won't need the help this time i'm going to prepare myself right. as good as i can to beat this dude again by the way we we didn't talk about the biggest feud that brewed last week like what one of the it? biggest fights that can be put on this summer what Dana White, Dan Lebetard. Oh, goodness. I can't wait for that one. I'm cornering Dana. I'm cornering mean? Dana. I want to corner Dana if he fights Dan Lebetard. You are going to corner Dana White. I'm going to corner my boy because Dana White. Jorge Masvidal has like said that he's going to train Lebetard for this fight. Yeah. Oh, man. It'd be good. I don't have to train Dana. You know, we'll get – hey, listen. Team – hey, hey, Team White – Team UFC, we're going to hire the best nutritionists. We're going to hire the greatest trainers. We're going to hire the best boxing coaches. We're going to do this thing in the most scientific way that it's ever been done. So Big Dan Levitard better get ready, man. And I like Dan. Dan's a good, fun guy. But, boy, you take on Team White in the UFC. We're going to – wait, wait. The way you're looking, it seems like you may be Team Levitard. Hey, are I'm you team, team. I'm team are ESPN. You team, are I'm you team, team ESPN, this baby? Is team ESPN versus Team UFC. That's right. Oh, hey, let me tell you something. We Seems got, like you're in the middle. Hey, I am, but we got the resources. We got the PI. <laughs> we got the resources. We got, we got, got the Bristol, Connecticut. We have got the structure in place to train him to go input a whipping on Dan Labatard. Two hundred and fifty thousand to charity. This has to happen now, right, Eric? 
Well, he said that he want. He said he wasn't going to get bullied like Dana likes to. What's that mean? (laughs) What's that even mean? It was a funny reply. Dan, Dan, it's time to go. Okay, but here's the thing. Time to go. What do you mean not getting bullied? Well, he feels like he doesn't. He doesn't get to call the shots. He's the one that made the initial offer. He doesn't get to set the terms. Tell tell Dan to put down the terms. Tell Dan. Tell Dan come back to the table with his terms. For Dana to agree to. Uh, I mean, we, it's time to play the game now, right? It's time to play the game now. Dan, you want the fight? Let's go. It's going to be As good. As I look at you, I feel like I'm looking at, you know, a 1998 version of The Rock when he went from the people's champ to the corporate champ. Like in front of our <laughs> eyes right now, you are morphing <laughs> into hey, the corporate champ. I will wear one of those silk shirts. Yes. Those silk shirts like The Rock. Boo, rah. But then guess what? The people eventually fell in love with the corporate champion. They did, but I just feel like this is happening, right? Like this is when, this is when I'm Farouk, right? And this is when I'm in the back with the Intercontinental Championship, that's right. that's just trying just to take over the nation of domination. I thought I you would say, what I really thought you would say was, Dana's a former amateur boxer, right? Former boxing coach. He doesn't need my help. I'm going to help out the little guy. I've been on the Levitard show. I'm an ESPN guy. We got this. I do show. like the Levitard show. I want to go back on the Levitard show. I may not go back <laughs> anymore after, uh, after I corner Dana, but I want the fight. I want the fight. I'm ready for the fight. Come on. You want the fight too. You yeah. want to see Dana actually fight. Be honest. I don't know about against Dan Levitard. Peter Ortiz back in the day, that was cool. But against Dan Levitard, I don't know if I'm feeling that one. Maybe Stu Watts. He's a little taller, a little bigger, you know. But Dan Levitard just seems like, I don't know, it seems like an unfair fight. Verbally, I would love to see them debate each other. That would be fun. But in terms of fighting, I'm not sure about that. A couple more things before we go. And I'm glad that you have now told the world that you are going to corner Dana in this fight. Corporate champion DC. Uh, Nice to have you. Alexander Gustafson moving to heavyweight. What do you make of this, mm-hmm. this against Fabrizio Verdum? You like this for him? Yeah, it's a good fight for him. It's a good. It's a good move. He was already always a big guy. Maybe he will be better uh, up a weight class, not depleting himself uh, down to, to two hundred and five pounds. And hopefully, he can maintain that footwork, that movement, that ability to compete in the way that he did for so long. So yeah, very excited about that fight. Very excited about that fight. And he gets to fight a former champion, Fabrizio. Uh, it's first time off. Another retirement, not you know, another guy not keeping his word, right? Another quick retirement. I think a lot of guys. I think I mean, but he's young, you know, and I think maybe that retirement was emotional. You know, he, mm. he had got beat by Jones, finished, got finished by Anthony Smith. Just you know, I, I just think that was a bit emotional, and um, it's good to see him back. Yeah, I'm curious. About, that's an, a, 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 like a really out-of-the-blue booking. I did not expect that one at yeah, all. Different. Um, good style matchup. I'm really curious to see what they say about Fight Island. Because now we're starting to see a lot of fights being booked for Fight Island, but we still don't know where it is. <laughs> still don't know where it is. Yeah. <laughs> like, is it on the West Coast of the United States? Is it at Tachi Palace? Is you remember it- before when you thought there was no Fight Island? You were yes. certain there was no Fight Island, but now. No, that's not what I said. Happening. You're lying. No. What I said was, I said, until the fighters and managers are actually offered fights on Fight Island, to me, it's not a thing. And then. It's and now thing. they got offered the it's fights. It's a real so thing. Now it's a real thing. Fight Island. Reserve judgment. Championship fight on Fight Island. Jan and Aldo, right? Supposedly. Can't wait. That's a big one. <laughs> the second place, yeah. the second place bantamweight title fight, because we all that know that the fight boy, the bantamweight <laughs> champion resides on Long Island. In Imagine New York. if the king of real gets the job done. 
boy, two division <laughs> champ. I'll be history in the making. That is going to be boy. <laughs> and I'm not sure I don't favor Aldo in that fight. I'll get out of here. Okay. By the way, are you still a New Orleans Saints fan? Where does that stand? <sighs> yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> That was the sound of a. <laughs> yes, I am. I'm sorry. You know, like, men's. So when I first heard that, I said something like, "I hope the Saints lose every single game." And then the next day, I was like, you know, first apology. I was like, maybe not every game, but it just seemed like everything that happened was, you know, Drew Brees made a bad statement. But then when I look at the history of Drew Brees and all that he's done um, in New Orleans, all that he's done for the black community, and then I look at his statements and, 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 and what he's trying to do in order to fix, you know, that, that the, the, the mistake that he made, um, I, I think it's been great. And then the president almost tees him up. I, I'm in a group message, and my, my, my friends were like, the president just said that Drew Brees shouldn't have. I go, Drew Brees is going to denounce the president and, and go right against him. And then he's going to be back. And then not even an hour later, Brees had put out a statement saying, you know, everything opposite of what the president had said right before. And I think that because of that, he didn't show empathy for where we are today in the country. And the flag means different things to different people. But right now you should not have made that comment. And I think that everything he's shown since shows that he's going to try to be a leader in trying to, uh, and use his platform to try and help, uh, in, in that way. All right. I just wanted to know if you wanted to join the, the bills bandwagon. I'll never join. Let me tell you something, man. You seemed very since, upset last week, and rightfully so. The, hey, and rightfully so. And since the great Oklahoma State running back left the book, the Bills, Thurman, I'm in Thurman Thomas, Thomas. You know, I, I, I haven't been in Bills. I have not liked the Bills. I'm sorry, bro. It's All not right. the way it works. They, they, they welcomed you with open arms. UFC two. They treated I was me there. great. They That's, treated me great. And but, but, but when it comes to a where's that towel at? Football? They should put that in the Hall of Fame. That towel right there in Buffalo. What towel? That was the towel in Buffalo. One of the all-time great moments of my broadcasting career. Me doing the play-by-play for that moment. He actually he made it. He made the way. Oh my goodness, he made the way. He made the way. Sometimes you just gotta think light. Right. If you just think light, right when you get on that scale, I went to the back and I was I was sad and I was dejected. And my 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 nutritionist walked up to me, Dan Leaf. He goes, DC, go back out there, take a deep breath, think. <laughs> Light. I'm serious. No, Ariel. He said, DC, walk back out there with your head held high, champ, and think light. You're an air balloon. He said, you're a balloon. You're a balloon. Think light and you get floated away. And so no. I went back on that scale and I fought light, man. And I was a pound point two lighter and I made the weight. And now it all makes like, sense. It oh, all makes weight. Sometimes you got to just think light. So guys, when you're about to miss weight, just close your eyes. Take a breath and think light, and then you'll make the weight. It's the way it works. It was proven. Yes, yes. No, no, I know. It was proven. I saw it with my own two eyes, one of the great moments of my life. Uh, Shout out to Devin Clark's dad, who was one of the stars of Saturday Night. He was incredible. (laughs) Shout out to Chase Hooper. Who knew that he had that kind of game online, clapping back at Ben Askren, who was taking shots at him afterwards, even though he uh, 
you know, he lost that fight against Alex Caceres. And most important, shout out to Cody Stamen for fighting the way he did oh. after suffering the tragedy that he did just a couple of weeks prior. I, I can't imagine uh, what was going through his mind. You saw the emotion afterwards, and I mm-hmm. thought you guys handled it very well, especially Joe in the post-fight interview. So uh, all in all, 250, a great night. And now we look ahead to Saturday. we got another card on Saturday night. It's uh, Cynthia Calvillo against Jessica. You're not going to be at that one, right? No, no, no. I'm, at, I'm back at home. Are you done yeah. with the broadcasting till the fight? Well, I don't have anything scheduled anymore well, what so right now. <laughs> so I don't have anything scheduled right now because, uh, remember, I was trying to fight August 1st. Okay. So I told him to kind of leave my schedule open. Hey, give Devin Clark a shout-out too because okay. in the octagon during his introduction, took a knee, yes. you know, raised the fist to show uh, for everything that's happened in the, in, happening in the world today and just really taking his time or his moment to, to shine a light on, on everything that's going on. So, uh, big on Devin Clark and then yep. fighting the best fight of his career. He, his dad told him, you're in a fight, Devin. And Devin fought a fight. You know, he didn't try to just wrestle the whole time. He went out there and he, he fought the best fight that he's ever, ever fought in the octagon. Yeah. Aljo did the same. Uh, shout out to everyone who's been speaking up, everyone who's been voicing, um, you know, their concerns about, uh, the, the, the system and police brutality and racism in our country. It's great to see people coming together of different colors, different creeds, different genders. Everyone seems to be, um, coming together now. So it's, a, it's a crazy time in our lives and it's a lot of fun every Monday doing this show with you, DC. And I hope we can continue. I'll, I'll look forward to your next excuse next week. And, uh, you know, I'll never, listen, I'll never make an excuse. I'm never going to leave this show. <laughs> this is my right. favorite show. I'll never leave. Yes. There's nothing they can do to make me ever leave this show. I love it. All right. On that note, DC, you're the man. Modelo, we love you. Ancestry DNA, we love you. Corporate Jake, we sometimes love you. TST, we hardly <laughs> ever love you. We love everyone out there who continues to listen, rate, review, subscribe, all that stuff and more. We're done. We're out of time. Peace. We're out of here. <laughs>